I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to The Real episode 85, despite what you might have heard on the last episode. Welcome to episode 85, in which we talk rhythm with Jay, and I am recording this part anyway on Tuesday, I'm sorry, Wednesday, March, what is today? March 28th. <laughs> uh, apparently I've completely lost track of time while on sabbatical. Anyway, today is Wednesday, March 28th, um, and I'm recording this, my intro and outro, However, the conversation with Jay itself was recorded a couple of weeks ago because we did a twofer. We had one long morning in which we recorded both the repetition and the rhythm episodes, which was actually really helpful for us because we could more clearly remember what we had already said <laughs> in one episode before moving on to the other. So I'm really glad to finally be able to um, offer you this conversation about rhythm. Um, before I do that, I want to say thank you so much to everybody who's listening, and, um, and especially to those of you who have just joined us, to our new listeners. Thanks for coming aboard. Glad to have you part of the conversation. I also want to say thank you for iTunes reviews. All of us podcasters really do appreciate those. And also thank you to those of you who have already joined the new uh, Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Seamed Up, and a little bit more about that later. I want to start out with just a couple of reminders right off the start so that if you get interrupted and have to stop listening to this part way through, at least this much will be in your memory. Then we will get into the conversation with Jay, and then I will do some Sandy update and listener comments following. So the reminders first. Remember, this is the last couple of days for you to enter your name in the giveaway for Karen Lee Carter's hand-dyed embellishments that's lace and a couple of different kinds of ribbon. Very, very pretty. Wonderful spring Eastery colors, actually. Um, and then the pattern that she has designed for um, photo, for fabric photo frames. Photo fabric frames? Fabric photo frames. In any case, you need to make sure you listen to the interview episode with Karen Lee Carter, which was um, episode 83, I believe, although I do apologize. My numbering got all off once I hit the 80s. Apparently, I can't handle having that many episodes. I lose track of which one I'm on when. But in any case, make sure you listen to the interview with Karen Lee Carter. It was a wonderful interview. Really enjoyed talking with her. And you'll get details about the giveaway there. And you need to post your uh, comment on the show notes to that episode in order to be entered for that giveaway. If you post them anywhere else, I won't be able to track them. And again, as always, please remember to have your email address either in the comment or on your profile when you comment, because I cannot track you down if I don't have an email address for the giveaway. So if you win, you'd miss out, and I'd be really, really sad about that. So make sure you've got your email address somewhere that I can see linked to your comment. 
I also want to say thank you to those of you who have already responded to the survey about the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup that I posted um, the link to on the last episode. I've already got something along the lines of 14 responses. I'd really like some more. Um, I was just reading, those of you who have already responded, I was reading your comments this morning, some very, very excellent information there. Thank you so much. So I'm looking forward to getting more of those surveys as well. And I'll give you a few more days to get those up. Now, um, the last reminder, you've heard me talking about it. This is your official announcement. The month of April, I am declaring the two-year podcast anniversary celebration um, this week today. In fact, now that I think about it, today is the official two-year birthday of this podcast, of the Quilting for the Rest of Us podcast. Um, I have really loved the last couple of years. I have gotten a lot more out of podcasting than I ever thought I would. I, you know, who'd have thunk it? I never knew the community of friends that I would build just through doing this podcast. The things I would learn from listeners and from folks I've been able to interview, uh, the, um, meetups, the ability to expand my quilting world extraordinarily bigger. (laughs) I'm sorry, grammar is an issue today. But anyway, um, I've really, really enjoyed the last two years. Um, I'm so glad that those of you who have been with me since the very, very beginning, a special, special shout out to you. But anybody who's joined anywhere along the way, even if this is your very first episode you have ever listened to, thank you for being a part of um, the, this two-year adventure with me. So in April, I am celebrating. And every week of April, I believe there's four weeks. I haven't checked. There might be five. I might have to come up with another week. I'm going to be doing giveaways off the blog, quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. And the very, very first week of April will be kicked off with a big giveaway party with the other quilt podcasters. I have invited all of them to link up to my blog for a giveaway that first week of April. Um, So start looking on, I believe it actually will officially start on Sunday, April 2nd. You may see the blog post on April 1st. Unfortunately, I can't seem to figure out a way to post the blog post invisibly so that the other podcasters can link up quickly before it goes public. Um, so I'm going to probably be posting the blog post on Saturday, but the, and you'll start seeing podcasters linking up, but it will not officially start until Sunday, April 2nd, uh, but it'll go that whole week, and you will have all sorts of giveaways from other Quilty podcasters, and I really wanted to include them as part of the celebration, because all of us have a lot of fun doing this. Um, I really enjoy that community that's been built, and I really wanted to have them be a part of the celebration. So watch for that the first week of April. And then the following weeks, each week will feature some other giveaways. I've already gotten sponsorship from the Fat Quarter Shop, and we'll be giving away some great gifts from them, and from Orophil, and we'll be giving away great gifts from Orophil. You know that I'm a fan. Um, And I am working on another one as well. Plus, I have been sorting through my own quilt library, quilt book library, and I will be giving away a lot of books, actually. Um, And they're all relatively new. They're all good books. They're just things either I've gotten out of them, what I needed to get out of them, or I am um, moving in different directions or whatever. There's nothing wrong with the books that I'm giving away. Uh, So I will be giving those away as well. I haven't entirely decided how I'm going to work that one yet, but I'll keep you posted. So make sure you are a blog follower or bookmark the page and check back every week. I will be, during April, I will be putting my other posts, the ones that I've been doing 
um, Slow Quilt Monday, Donation Quilt Wednesday, and Food Fridays. I'll be putting those on hiatus um, because I really want you to only focus on that one giveaway page per week. I don't want you to get confused about where you're supposed to be posting when because all these blog entries are coming up. So I'm just going to be posting one blog post per week in April that will highlight the giveaway for that week and you will have a week to respond. So I'm really, really excited about doing that. Um, I'm just, again, I'm so appreciative of listeners that I want to celebrate my birthday by giving presents to you. And I'm really appreciative, appreciative of the other podcasters as well. And all of these um, wonderful things we have to listen to uh, every week. So I'm glad to be able to celebrate them too. So I hope you will join us in that two year podcast anniversary celebration in the month of April. Okay, now we're going to get into the conversation with Jay, and then, like I said, I'll be doing the Sandy update and listener comments at the end. Without further ado, once again, I introduce to you the lovely and wise Jay. All right, once again, we are here with Jay. Hello, Jay. Hi, Sandy. Um, this time we are talking about rhythm, and I know... Um, if if you need to go back and refresh your memory to go back and listen to the episode on repetition again, although this time we're actually posting these two fairly close together. I haven't decided exactly when each one is getting posted, but you shouldn't have quite as long to forget what was in the repetition episode when you listen to this one. So, um, Jay, why don't you get us rolling? What What are we talking about when we talk about rhythm? So rhythm is a principle design that's based on repetition. The two work hand in hand. And some definitions to get us started are rhythm is intervals at which related elements occur throughout a piece of art. And visual Rhythm is created when elements repeat in a sequence in the design. The repeated elements are often shape or color motif rather than simply repeating the elements to create a pattern. They act as a series of beats that speak to one another. And this is from an interesting book called Design! Exclamation point, a lively guide to design basics for artists and craftspeople. It had some very interesting examples in it. So if your library has that, you might check that out. Rhythm also involves a clear repetition of elements that are the same or only slightly modified, like vertical slats on the back of a chair. Sometimes they get, they're wider in the middle where the most of your back is and they get thinner as it moves out to the edges of the chair. And I'm thinking of kind of a dining room chair rather than an upholstered chair. Mm -hmm. Um, Rhythm is is also the repetition of a regular pattern or a harmonious sequence or correlation of colors or elements. <laughs> but basically, visual rhythm involves the movement of our eye from one element to the next in a regular pattern. And that is helped by recurrent motifs. So basically, you're moving your eye across the, across your piece and Repetition and rhythm help do that. Okay, rhythm is clearly something we're used to thinking about in the music world. You know, there's certain rhythms and certain um, counts per measure and that kind of thing that, you know, you've got your clearly your 4-4 rhythm, your 3-4 rhythm, that kind of thing. It's a little more difficult to grasp what it means when you're talking about fabric shape and color. So um, we, we do need to unpack that a little bit more. 
So I think that now we're going to get into types of rhythm, and I think that that point will be addressed, hopefully. So there are several different types of rhythm. One is alternating rhythm, progressive rhythm, staccato rhythm, static rhythm, syncopated rhythm, visual and visual rhythm. Those are what we're going to talk about here. Not all of the books that I use talked about all of these. So our, our examples are going to be a little uneven, but hopefully if any of you are musicians and you know exactly what you're talking about, you can provide a good example for everyone to use. So alternating rhythm is the variation of a repeated pattern between two or more elements. An example is the pattern of night and day or a chorus repeated between different verses of a song. It uses patterns that move back and forth, like light and dark, thick and thin, hot and cold, tall and short. Obviously, you can't do hot and cold in a quilt unless you do that with color, but mm -hmm. think thick and thin or light and dark. You know those yin-yang patterns where you have a circle and it's divided light and dark, and then there's a little piece of light and dark in the opposite. That's, that's a good example. Right. And well, I'm sorry, I think even alternating rhythm, as I try to imagine that in a quilt, would be sort of maybe a two-block quilt, where you have a one block, then the other block, and then the first block, and then the other block. That's clearly very much an alternating back-and-forth rhythm to that. Yeah, and even a block, maybe the same block, but where the colors are reversed, like we were talking about our red and white sawtooth star quilt last time. Right. So maybe in the upper left-hand corner, you have a red star on a white ground, and then next to it, you have a white star on a red ground. I right. think that's alternating rhythm also. Right, okay. And a familiar example of this idea can be seen in a building with columns like the Acropolis or another kind of Greek temple. The repeating pattern of light columns against a darker negative space is alternating rhythm. Okay. So the next one is progressive rhythm. Progressive rhythm uses the repetition of an element to deliberately move the viewer's eye in a specific direction. It, it's a pattern in which the viewer can a sequence that is predictable. This progressive rhythm is what happens in a book. If you think of a children's book, there's a story. So stories are definitely progressive rhythms, but not useful if you're a quilt maker. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have small children. Right. In, in visual art, a progressive rhythm might consist of any repeated element growing or shrinking in size or number. And it an example is the expanding rays of a mariner's compass block as it repeats, as it reaches outward. But you can also think of squares. So maybe you have a one inch square and then a little while next to it you have a one and a half inch square and then a little while later a two inch square and on and on up. So your eye will follow that until it gets really big to your five or ten inch square. And progressive rhythm is often found in nature when the size or shape of something gradually increases or decreases. Think of growing things. Things get small, get bigger as they grow, and then they get smaller as they kind of die off and decay. Concentric layers of a tree rings, for example, a musical theme that grows, quote-unquote, in complexity, volume, and instrumentation with its repetition. 
and the gradually diminishing pattern of ocean waves as your eye moves toward the horizon. This progressive rhythm is really commonplace in nature, but it's not always readily apparent. If you cut an artichoke in half, you can see the growth pattern. You can see the center and then the leaves kind of growing outward. But also a chambered nautilus cut in cross-section, you can see the smaller to larger spiral. I think I actually just recently saw a quilted wall hanging that was exactly that, the, the nautilus snail um, with the shell cross-section. And I think here, progressive rhythm, again, you know, thinking of quilts I've seen over the years, um, we've mentioned before Carol Breyer Fallert. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do see hers very much as a progressive rhythm um, when she was working with the flying geese uh, motif that would then start out large in one corner and kind of swirl and get smaller as it went, um, which also provides perspective. Exactly. That's a great example. Okay. Yes? Yes? Nope. I was getting ready to go on as well. So on to the next type of rhythm. Which is staccato rhythm. Staccato rhythm is abrupt changes with dynamic contrast. The recurrence of these of dark squares establishes a visual rhythm. The irregular spacing of the small squares causes pattern and rhythm to be lively rather than monotonous. And what I'm talking about here is if there are dark squares on a light ground. So you have a little bit, you're working with the negative space to create a staccato rhythm. Um, and there's a Pete Mondrian painting called Broadway Boogie Woogie, which expresses the on-off patterns of Broadway's neon landscape, but also the rhythmic sounds of 1940s instrumental blues music. I did not make that up. <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> oh, you're really good at music, yeah. <laughs> I am not a musician, um, though I do enjoy good music. Mm-hmm. Auto rhythm can sometimes be exciting if unsettling. And a lot of rhythm examples that we're using here have to do with music. And I hope that you all can just translate them. Well, and again, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do that as I go. I'm trying to picture quilts that I've seen. And, and for a staccato rhythm, I'm, I'm imagining, I don't know if I've seen this quilt or if I'm, as you have done, making it up in my head as I go, but I'm seeing like a quilt that's maybe a school of fish where most of the fish are all kind of more or less the same color or in the same color family. But then periodically you have one that's the opposite color family, you know. So if everybody's blue, suddenly you've got these kind of yellow fish spaced periodically. That to me would be a staccato rhythm because it's it's still rhythmic, but it's kind of in there and a little bit irregular. I think that that might be true. That's a good example. This one's a little harder to wrap your head around as a quilt maker than some of the other ones are. Well, I'm still making, yeah, staccato rhythm, definitely. And static rhythm, which we're moving on to, is also, but this reminds me that quilt making is an active activity. Yeah, you're sitting at your your sewing machine or at your hand cloaking for a long time, but it's also as as Francis likes to say, you get up and move around too, mm-hmm. unlike sitting. 
So static rhythm has no variety and can be monotonous if carried throughout a composition. If there's no variety in the fabrics chosen, the quilt will have a static rhythm, no movement. Static rhythm is only apparent for it seems like the rhythm really pervades the succession of acts of attention to the elements rather than the elements themselves. So, for example, a colonnade is rhythmical only when the, your attention moves from one column to another. You're looking at it. That's the action. And that's when the static rhythm takes place. And when I read this again, I thought about that red and white sawtooth star quilt that we've been talking about. Same fabrics, no variation, a bunch of sawtooth stars. Why do we like it? Well, we like it when we're looking at it because our attention is moving from star to star. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that's a, a great example of static rhythm in that there is an obvious movement, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not a successful design. Right. Right. Okay, next. Syncopated rhythm, which gives surprising emphasis to a beat that is normally weak and adds unexpected interest. This could be a thin line that you just added around part of a block. A syncopation or syncopated rhythm is any rhythm that puts emphasis on a beat or a subdivision of a beat that is not usually emphasized. Syncopation is one way to liven things up. The music can suddenly emphasize the weaker beats of the measure, or it can even emphasize notes that are not on the beat at all. Okay, we we had talked a little bit leading into recording this episode that this is a tough one for a quilt maker to figure out what that means. As you had pointed out, it could be, you know, a a thinner um, border or something. I also, I made a uh, nine-patch pizzazz quilt at one point several years ago now when that book first came out. And to me, that feels a little bit like it's syncopated because in that um, design, a nine-patch block, which, you know, is sort of the you know foundational block of all quilt making, <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it, but it's it's normally one that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. But because of the way you design the quilt, that block then becomes the rhythm through it but it's not expected um it's not even always very vibrant but it's there and and to me that feels a bit like a visual depiction of a syncopated rhythm you could you could be right about that i don't know what the Daz quilts look like but maybe you could post the picture of your quilt yes i will post a link to that on on my blog and i'll on link, the show notes i'll link back to it from my um, blog post as well. The last example of rhythm is visual rhythm, and we've already mentioned that several times. And basically, visual rhythm is another, it uses rep, repetition as another way to create unity in a quilt design. The repetition of an element in a composition can tie the whole together, creating a relationship among the elements. And repetition of an element creates the visual rhythm. Static rhythm, alternating rhythm, and progressive rhythm all have an effect on unity through repetition, but the repetition of those elements is what creates the visual rhythm. Right. 
visual rhythm can be smooth and even, or it can be abrupt and uneven, depending on the goal the coral designer wants to achieve. And what I'm thinking about is maybe rectangles, and you've got one that's two and a half by one and a half, and then you've got one down the row a little bit that's four and a half by one and a half. And it kind of goes draws your eye across, but they're not all the same. Right. I also think that last line, um, you know, depending on the goal that the the quilt designer is shooting for, because what we're saying here is there is no right rhythm. You know, there's no one rhythm you should always have in your quilts. Um, it's a matter of knowing what goal you're shooting for and doing your best to attain it, then looking at things like the rhythm and the repetition. And you may not know until you start working with the fabric and it may, and you've made a few blocks and then you might see a rhythm that was in the back of your head, but not, it was in your subconscious rather than your right. And it, it comes out once you start working with the fabric. Right. Examples of rhythm are your heartbeat repeats in a regular orderly manner, hopefully, and establishes <laughs> a rhythm that underlies your existence and breathing. Hopefully you're doing it. Mm-hmm. It can have a regular sequence of inhaling and exhaling. And when you walk, also you establish parallel rhythms with the two sides of your body. Now, I can hear the eye rolling, people going, oh, what does this have to do with quilt making? But if you think of those things, if you sort of have them in your mind as you're working with your blocks or your, your patches or your fabrics, it gets you in the place of rhythm of using rhythm in your quilt. Right. I just have a couple of notes about rhythm. Careful placement of accents holds the viewer's eye across the picture. The eye travels quickly when elements are closely spaced or more slowly across wider intervals. You can use accents to control the rhythm and keep the viewer's eye moving within the picture. And this is kind of um, what I was talking about when you have maybe a series of rectangles across, but there's something in between them. And this is also one area where a border is useful. Instead of just slapping on a border, and you all know by now that this is one of my biggest peeves in terms of bad design, look at whether your design is falling off the quilt. So you've got your your center on the wall or on the floor, wherever you work. And you're looking at it and looking at the edges and seeing if your design is falling off and needs to be contained or whether you need to continue the design into the border and finish it. And a really good example of this is the single Irish chain. So you know how they're, they're on a diagonal, the block, the little squares are on a diagonal and they can go out to the edge. And if you don't have one on the edge of your center, in my opinion, you really need to continue that out into the border so you have those on-square points all finished. It's just not cut off. That made any sense at all. <laughs> I think it's clear enough. Yeah, I have a couple of quotes which are not exactly Irish chains, but they're sort of in that vein. One is called um, Ocean Avenue, and I either 
I think I continued the design out into the border. It has that sort of Irish chain effect. Rhythm relies on repetition. If you can get that across, I'll say it again. <laughs> rhythm relies on repetition. Repeating design elements over and over again will create a sense of rhythm with the design field. Rhythm helps to entice the viewer to stay longer and make an artwork easier to live with. If your rhythm, or if the rhythm of a work becomes too static or monotonous, then the work becomes easy to ignore. And I know none of you want your quilt to be ignored. Visual rhythm is closely connected to rhythms in music and the rhythms of art pieces that are sometimes inspired by music. That would be an interesting activity for somebody to do is listen to something with, for example, syncopated rhythm and then create a quilt inspired by that and see what comes out. Or even create a quilt design in EQ or on a piece of graph paper. That would be a great, that would be a great exercise. Yeah. I'd love to see what you come up with. All right. What kind of resources do you have for us this time? Um, well, I've been using the same ones. I think the, one that I added was design, exclamation point, a lively guide to design basics for artists and craft people by Stephen Amone, A-I-M-O-N-E. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Stephen, I know you're listening. And, and then some of the usual ones that I posted before. Um, there was one website, oh, it's, it's about.com on and that was on web design, but they had an interesting little piece of web rhythm on rhythm designing for the web. And as most of you know, I put in my sources when I post my blog posts. Right. So when when this episode goes live, um, I'll have a link to your blog post, which will have all of those uh, resources listed. I would be really interested. I mean, we say this for every of these episodes, but any listeners who are hearing this and think, oh, I think I know a quilt or I made a quilt or whatever that exemplifies, you know, X kind of rhythm, send us your uh, your pictures or post it in the comments or put it in a Flickr group and send us the link or whatever, because particularly with this one, um, Jay and I did have a lot of conversation about what kind of quilt really does exemplify staccato or syncopation or some of these. So we'd love to have your input as well and, and just have it be a conversation for by all of us. And I think uh, some musicians could really give us a little more insight. I mean, I don't know about you. Again, not a musician. I don't play an instrument. So I have no kinesthetic feeling or understanding of these kind of rhythms. Well, I am, or I have been a musician in my past, and so I, I know exactly what each of these rhythms is, you know, musically. But trying to translate some of them into what does that mean in terms of quilt design is, is stretching my my imagination a little bit, which is a great thing. You know, that's always a good thing to do is stretching our imaginations. Yeah, it'd be great to include some audio files about what. <laughs> here's a little piece of staccato rhythm. Here's a little piece of syncopated side. Mm. Too much work. <laughs> We're wanna, about rhythm, people. <laughs> we want to spend our time qu- quilting, actually. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much. And um, do you have any idea yet what our next design principle might be, or are we still working that out? 
Well, I've been working on pattern, so it might be pattern and or texture. Those overlap a little bit. Okay. As all of these do. So I, I'm working on those right now. All right. I was going to say, yeah, pattern seems to follow really well from repetition and rhythm and then to get into pattern. So that does feel like a flow. But whatever manages to work out next, we'll, we'll do it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Jay. Nice talking to you, Sandy. All right. And we will talk again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you again, Jay. And, and by the way, we are serious listeners. If you have quilts that you think um, demonstrate any of these principles of rhythm, please, uh, you can post them to the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group and then uh, just leave a link to it in your comment to the episode or however you want to do that. It's really great for us to see people um, really trying to sort through, okay, I just learned this in this episode. How does that apply to the quilts I've made? And, you know, we've talked in the past about how Noni has done that a couple of times, which has really been wonderful. So Noni, hope you do it again. Uh, in any case, again, if you have quilts, especially on that um, staccato or syncopated rhythm, which, as we talked about in the conversation, is a little harder to wrap our heads around as quilters, I'd love to see your pictures. So again, Post your quilts to the Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Flickr or uh, leave a comment if you've got it on your blog or whatever. Leave the link in your comments to the show notes for this episode so we can all check them out. Thank you so much again, Jay. Now, um, my Sandy update, I have actually been getting a lot done lately, but not in terms of finishes. I'm, I'm finding myself occasionally hitting roadblocks or having to wait for something else to come in, uh, you know, having to order some other you know, fabric or accoutrements or whatever, or just kind of needing to pause and consider something. So first of all, I've been working on finishing my pinwheel quilt. That was the one I started last spring in hopes that it would be hanging on my wall for the summer, and I missed last summer, so now I'm shooting for this summer instead. Um, it's, you know, it's a pretty simple pattern. It is, I just did pinwheels. And I used the um, Kin Templin's double diamond ruler on the border and really loved the way that ended up looking. But I had some issues. I was doing the machine quilting this week. I had some issues with bob intention, etc. Let's just say it's a really good thing that the back faces the wall. <laughs> and I'm not going to worry about going back and fixing things because I'd, I'd have to rip out a boatload of stitching and try to start it all again. And some of it I didn't even, somehow didn't even see what was going on until I already had the binding on. And I'm not quite sure. Apparently I was just in such a fervor to get this done that I just never flipped it over and looked at the entire back. But that's a whole other story. Uh, this puppy is never, I never intended it to be in a show or anything. It was just for my own fun and entertainment and amusement. So, um, and the mistakes are really only on the back. So who cares? Uh, the, the one adventure I had with it, however, is I had decided um, early on, when I first started working on a pinwheel quilt, I didn't really know. I was thinking, well, I would just do a pinwheel. And then later I decided, well, it would be kind of cute to put yo-yos in the center of each pinwheel. And then it became, well, let me put a button and a yo-yo in the center of each uh, pinwheel. So I had gone to Joanne several weeks ago now to buy the buttons after I had the yo-yos made. And I had bought buttons and ended up buying some only because it was the only one that I could find 16 of the same button. Um, there's 16 pinwheels. I needed 16 buttons. 
And I, at the time, I really wanted a white button in the center. I thought that would be a nice, clean, summery look. And so I then, you know, I bought these um, 16 buttons. Fortunately, they were also very inexpensive buttons. And uh, a couple of nights ago, I decided to sit down and, and try to sew these things on. And I thought at first I would try to do them by hand. Well, I had a dickens of a time. I had to hold the yo-yo in place on the um, quilt with one hand. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm trying to bunch up a lot of the quilt under my hand. So it was very awkward feeling. And then I'm trying to sew this button on by hand with the other hand. And I'm having to stab through because this is now in the center of the pinwheel. So there's a lot of seams that you're trying to push the freaking needle through. And it was just driving me nuts. And I would say it probably took me, well, it felt like hours, but it was probably more like 20 minutes to half an hour to get that one, that first one on there. And then when I looked at it, it was a little cockeyed. It was looser than I wanted, all because it was too hard, you know, to try to hold this whole thing on. And I was thinking, if this is what I'm going to get for half an hour of work 16 times over, that was, I didn't sign up for that. And this quilt was not that important to me, because again, it was just supposed to be a fun, you know, summer wall hanging. Uh, so I went scurrying back upstairs to my sewing room and pulled out my sewing machine manual because I could swear I had remembered that I could, you know, do this by machine. And sure enough, I could. Now, this is going to be telling all of you I am not a garment sewer. So for me, buttons don't really feature in my everyday life <laughs> very often. You know, periodically, I've had to sew a button back on a shirt that it's popped off of. And I'm not even particularly good at that. I always tend to sew them too close to the fabric. Um, but in any case, you know, I, I'm not a big button person. So this was really the first time I had this particular experience. Uh, so yes, sure enough, I could sew them on by machine. So I then worked on doing that and got two or three more sewed on and was thrilled with how much faster it was going. However, um, trying to cram all of that under my presser foot, cause you know, there's some, there's some bulk there by the time you get the pinwheel with the, the quilt in the backing, because by now I've already machine quilted it. So it's all the layers of the quilt, plus a yo-yo, plus a button, all trying to cram between the, uh, you know, bottom of my sewing machine and the presser foot. And once again, it was a headache. I had problems keeping everything stable while it was sewing. So I, you know, I did two or three, and then I pulled them out and looked at them. They were every which way. They weren't centered. They were sliding off to the side, whatever. So I was really frustrated. Oh, plus... Um, one of them had wedged itself into the, <laughs> it had somehow gotten tangled up in the bobbin. And so I'd had to uh, get in there with my pair of snips and actually cut the threads off the back in order to release it from my sewing machine, which of course then meant I cut through some of the fabric on the back of the quilt. Again, good thing the back faces the wall. So anyway, you know, lots of words were coming from my sewing room at that point that just made me very glad that my children are, you know, grown and out of the house because they, they don't need to hear mom talking like that. Uh, so then, you know, I'm sitting there frustrated as I'll get out thinking, is this worth it? Should I just dump the whole idea of the yo-yos and the buttons and just go with a standard pinwheel quilt? And then I, I'm looking at it and I realize, you know what the problem might be? The buttons were actually kind of small. They barely, they covered the hole that's in the center of the yo-yo, but barely. So for me to try to hold them onto that yo-yo while it's the machine is doing its thing and try to keep that yo-yo tucked in under that button was just giving me tremendous grief. 
So I decided, wait a minute, maybe I should just go buy bigger buttons. So I hied myself off to Joanne's and had the same problem. Could not find 16 of any one button. You wouldn't think it would that be, be that hard, but every one of the buttons I was looking at, I could only get 12, I could get 15, I could not find 16 of any one button. So what ended up happening, and by now, you know, again, I don't even like this project anymore. <laughs> I've really had it. I just either, I want it done as simply as possible and out of my life. So I'm standing there at Joanne, staring at the button wall, about ready to start cursing again, although then I was in public, so it was very much under my breath, and realized right in front of me, there were these buttons that were really, really funky. They're um, a wooden button. They're, I think, an inch and inch and five-eighths inch, and they're, they're pretty big buttons. Um, and I had brought a yo-yo with me, so I held up the yo-yo behind it. And the yo-yo would still show around the edge of this button fine, but it would be much bigger to cover up that hole, be easier to hold down. Um, it's a wooden button, and it has uh, sort of graffiti-style peace signs and hearts and <laughs> and all these, you know, wonderful kind of hippie-esque sort of um, sayings on them. And I, I could get... Four, they had four designs, and I was able to get, well, actually, they had five designs, and I was able to get four of three of those designs, and then the one design I really wanted, they only had three of, so I went to the, the fifth design, which I didn't like quite as well, but, at the, you know, again, at this point, I'm at the point of just, I want to get this thing done, um, so I got four of that, so I was able to get 16 buttons that were all the same type of button, they just had, they were four different sayings on them. And so I figured I could just scatter them through this pinwheel quilt because the whole pinwheel quilt is sets of four. There's 16 pinwheels all together, um, but there's four each of four different colors. So that whole idea for each of four different buttons, you know, fit it fine. Well, I got home and sure enough, I sewed the first one on there. It worked like a dream. I still had to, you know, cram it under the, <laughs> the sewing machine foot. But because the button itself was bigger, I was able to hold it down with two fingers on either side and really hold it stable while the sewing machine was doing the heavy lifting. Um, I sewed on the three different buttons, and then I thought, you know, I really did like that fourth style better, the one that I couldn't get enough of at Joanne's. So I went online, and I found them. And there's a wonderful, if if you're into buttons, you need to know about this website. It's, I think it's just called MissButtons.com. I will make sure I put the link to it in the show notes, that's Miss M-I-S-S buttons, all one word. And they had this button and they had the one that I like. So I ordered four. Now, of course, I'm paying as much for shipping as I am for all four buttons. <laughs> but, you know, it was worth it to me to have this particular one rather than the other one I had already bought from um, Joanne. So, you know, I'm probably not going to bother taking those other four buttons back to Joanne's because it's all of like three bucks and by then I would have paid for the gas and the time. So, uh, you know, who knows? Might be a giveaway because <laughs> they're cute buttons. They just weren't kind of the style I wanted for this quilt. So this quilt has gone from being a real pain in my neck and something that um, was just sort of, I don't want to call it a throwaway project. I really did it primarily to use the double diamond ruler because I wanted to have that double diamond around the border and my thought from the beginning was, you know, pinwheels kind of can look like flowers. And then you've got the double diamond ruler in the border kind of looks like a picket fence. It's this whole kind of garden thing going. And so then that's why I did the yo-yos, because it would look like the center of the flower. And now I'm calling it Peace Garden. <laughs> and it just, oh, it entertains me. Every time I look at it, I just laugh because, it, you know, if you can't love a quilt, you might as well be entertained by the quilt. <laughs> 
and I am seriously entertained by this because now it's this kind of hippy dippy fun thing that it hadn't started out being. So um, that I can't wait until it's actually done. I'm not going to post a picture now. I'm I'm waiting for those other four buttons to come in. Meanwhile, I'm working on sewing the binding down because everything else is pretty well done. Um, and as soon as those four buttons are in and I can post a picture of it, I will. Uh, the buttons in this case, you know, they're, they're a fun addition. Um, and I, I want to point out when I say that I wasn't really happy with this quilt, it had nothing to do with that double diamond ruler because that was the only thing I loved about this quilt <laughs> was that border. So I'm really looking forward to you um, being able to see that. And then hopefully I will post a link to the double diamond ruler. If you recall, those of you who are new listeners may not recall this. Um, I had interviewed Kim Templin, who is the designer of the, the inventor designer. I don't know what you would call yourself of the double diamond ruler um, a long time ago. And, if I remember to do it, I will post a link to that episode as well. Um, if not in this episode, when I post the uh, pinwheel quilt itself, I'll definitely have a link to uh, her website and the double diamond ruler. Um, it, that's a really nice effect, and I really like the way it looked on this quilt. Um, but anyway, so that's that's kind of what I spent a lot of time working on one of the days of this week. The other thing I've been working on this week is my funky landscape, as I'm calling it. It still doesn't have a name, although I think I may have named it last night. I'm just living with it for a little while longer to decide. Um, I'm, I had posted a picture of that very early on. I am now at a stage where I don't want to post a picture of it. I need to... Um, it, it, some quilts, I kind of get to a point where I need to just keep them to myself for a little bit and live with it and then present it as a finished product. I don't, you know, getting a lot of input sometimes just confuses my head. You know, sometimes I'm looking, I'm actively seeking input, I'm, I need opinions. Other times I need to just sort of wrap myself up in it and whatever it is, that's what it'll become. And that's kind of where I'm at with this landscape quilt. Um, it started out as just a really fun, let me just start cutting out some shapes and do something with them. It's still fun, but it, it started taking on a little more meaning. And now it, it sort of has a, I don't want to say it has a message that makes it sound much more like I think it's this big, important work. And it, it isn't. It's just, it's expressive. I guess that's what I'll say. It's expressive of something that's very important to me. Um, so I worked on that a lot last night. I think I'm at the point where I'm going to be ready to start. I think I'm done with the creation of the the landscape, the the picture that's going on there. And I think I'm starting to get ready to actually start um, the, the sewing it down, the thread painting kind of stuff I'm going to be doing. Uh, thread sketching, I should, guess I should call it. It's going to be very loosey-goosey. Um, you know, getting the borders on that kind of thing. I think I'm ready to move into that next stage, but I'm not sure. Um, this has been probably three weeks in the making now, and it's very much, um, it exemplifies what I've been getting at by my slow quilt uh, posts, that some quilts you just need to live with and you need to let them grow organically and you need to do a little bit and then step back and think and then um, walk away from it for a while and see what happens next time you're there. Um, that's what this quilt has been. And I've really appreciated the process. I've had to step beyond, you know, as we always say, it's gotten cliched. I need to step out of my comfort zone. Uh, there were some things that I really felt challenged by in it. Um, and still, you know, looking at them, it's like, well, gee, I wish I knew how to do that better. But 
I've done it, you know, and, and now I can maybe learn how to do it better later or just love what it has become. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. And I know it's hard to talk about it without being able to show you pictures, but I'm hoping within the next couple of weeks, I will be able to show you, um, if not the completely completed project, at least, you know, mostly completed, because I think I'm going to be doing some embellishing on it too. Haven't decided. Speaking of embellishments, if you follow my blog, you know I've been playing with Shiva paint sticks. Um, I had bought some, uh, as you may know, again, from when I was in Hampton at the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival. I had only, only bought three metallics at that point, silver, gold, and bronze. And I had just done a little bit of playing here and there with them. Um, but I had also got some stencils when I was down there that I really wanted to be able to use that needed other colors. So... My guild friends, Lori and Florence, and I went to an art supply store, a local art supply store, that sold Shiva paint sticks and also that happens to accept Joanne's coupons, Michael's coupons, um, AC Moore coupons, you know, a lot of those kinds of things. So you can use them there as well. Um, unfortunately, I had already used my Joanne's coupons, <laughs> so I didn't have any coupons to use, but that was okay. Their prices were still good. And so I bought several more colors of paint sticks and um, I was looking also for stencil brushes because I had tried using the stencil just with the paint stick itself and just trying to kind of rub it on there and it wasn't working the way I wanted it to. Uh, and I decided I really needed those brushes. So, uh, and you would have thought, man, stencil brushes, you would think would be easy to find. I had a Dickens of a time. The art supply store didn't have them. I hadn't been able to find them. I don't remember. I had looked somewhere else before that and hadn't found them. And I was really trying to avoid ordering online um, mostly because I wanted them like immediately, <laughs> but also because I knew they wouldn't be that expensive and I'd end up paying as much for shipping. And sometimes I'm willing to do that. Other times I'm not. Uh, so we finally, we went to the art supply store. I got the paint sticks there. And then there was a Joann's right near the art supply store. So we stopped there as well. And I finally found some stencil brushes there. Although not after looking through the entire stinking store. Who'd have thought they'd be in home deck? <laughs> rather than in art supplies it was anyway um finally had a clerk help me find them so i got the stencil brushes and so that night i just sat down with one of with a stencil of a peacock and just started painting i was just watching tv um decided i would just experiment i used a piece of muslin um as the backing figuring specifically that well if it didn't work out it's just an expensive muslin i'm not going to worry about it this is my experimentation well it came out <laughs> really nice. I was very pleased with the way it came out. And uh, now I'm actually hoping this afternoon to run by the paint, the art supply store again and get some more colors because as soon as the peacock turned out well, I could Im immediately imagine stuff I wanted to do around him for which I have stencils, but I don't have the right colors. So I'm going to be buying more Shiva paint sticks. And then yes, I will be using him as probably the center block. I'll probably just put a few you know, borders on him. Um, and that'll be that. You know, I'm not going to like try to do 15 of these blocks and put them all into one big quilt. I'm just going to let him stand alone for now. Uh, but I've really enjoyed using those paint sticks. It's a lot of fun. I would certainly tell you if you have the paint sticks, get yourself some stencil brushes if you haven't already. Um, I've also used, I had some uh, styrofoam plates actually in my basement from some graduation party somewhere. I don't remember where. And I've been using that as my palette. So I will, sometimes I load the stencil brush right off of the um, paint stick itself. Other times I rub the paint stick into the uh, styrofoam plate and then, you know, use the stencil brush on that. You need, you need a palette of some sort so that you can blend colors more. Um, but I had a lot of fun with that. And so I would really encourage you 
to consider um, playing with that direction. Especially when you use stencils, you do not need to know how to draw because drawing is not my strong suit. I have been working on that as well uh, during the sabbatical. I think I mentioned in a previous episode, I'm using a book called Learn to Draw in 30 Days or something like that. Um, And, you know, it's not like I'm going to become this grandiose drawing artist by the end of that 30 days. It's just I will have more confidence about doing things like perspective and all that kind of stuff. Um, And it's already worked. I'm already feeling a lot more confident in approaching things just because I've been doing that practice every day. Uh, But in any case, with stencils, you don't need to know how to draw. You just start using colors and you start blending colors and I would just encourage you if you don't think of yourself as an artist get over yourself (laughs) just I mean I have to do that every time every time I sit down to do that I have to get over myself because I don't have confidence in myself doing those things and then I just start playing and yeah a lot of what you play with will end up in the trash but some of it might work so I'd really encourage you to do that um The other project I've been working on is the receiving blankets. I've been posting in my blog about that. Uh, Again, the Missouri Missouri Star Quilt Company uh, video that I posted in my donation quilt Wednesday last week. Um, I've been using that method, and I've made a couple of them myself, and then I cut fabric pieces for about 15 more. I went to Joann's, uh, got their flannel on sale, $2.79 a yard, could not beat it and um, cut enough fabric to make about 15 more of those receiving blankets. And then I'm going to be using those, I think, maybe next week, I think, with my Wednesday afternoon group of women who are originally from Burma, now living in Rochester. They want to learn how to use sewing machines, um, so I'm going to be using that project to teach them how to sew, because several of them are pregnant themselves, and will be able to use those receiving blankets themselves, or we will then donate them back into that community for other women who aren't a part of our group, but are having babies soon, because there's a lot of them. Uh, so that's the other project. I I did that during my sew day. I went to a sew day last week with my new guild. I think I mentioned that in last week's podcast on Friday. I spent um, several hours. I think I left around two or three. So I didn't stay until the complete end of the sew day, but I was there um, for most of the day. And all I did was cut that fabric. And that's the exactly the kind of thing I like having those sew days for, because You know, that's the most tedious thing in the world is cutting the same thing over and over and over and over again. And if I'd been doing that at home, even listening to podcasts or an audio book, it would have driven me nuts. But standing there where I could chat with people and and look at, you know, occasionally take a break and look at what they're doing. That was a lot of fun. Um, So I would suggest if you have so days or if you have retreats or something, bring something that's just mind numbingly boring to do. (laughs) It's it's a good way to get it done. Oh, and I have made a decision. As you may remember, I do have a newsletter, an email newsletter that I've been encouraging people to subscribe to, and I've got a lot of subscribers. I really appreciate the subscribers. But I have found that I am spending so much time keeping up my blog, keeping up the other social networking stuff that I just, I can't keep up a newsletter too. So I'm I'm going to pretty much stop this newsletter except for special announcements. Like I will try to get one out this week about the giveaways. Um things like that. So it won't go out very often. I would encourage you to still subscribe if you want. I mean, like I said, I'll still occasionally put out a special announcement, but trying to come up with topics for the newsletter that I'm not already doing on the podcast or on the blog is just, it's taking too much time away from, you know, the things I want to do, like so. (laughs) 
So if you're subscribed, don't un unsubscribe. You know, you just leave it alone and it'll just exist. Um, and I'll use it for announcements. So I do appreciate everybody who has subscribed. I hope that over the years that I've done it, you've gotten something out of it here and there. I just, I can't keep it up with seamed up Facebook, Twitter and everything else. I, uh, you know, a girl has to have time to sew. <laughs> so that was a decision I've made over the last couple of weeks. Um, and the only other update is tonight I am going over to help my friend Jan organize her sewing room, which is actually kind of fun. It's always fun to organize somebody else's stuff, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm, I told her I'm going to bring my label maker and everything. So that'll be fun. And, you know, maybe I'll have some tips and hints about organization um, out of that. I've I've done an episode on that two years ago. I think that was one of my early episodes. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'll pick up some more things again tonight as well. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Okay, uh, listener comments. I've gotten a lot. Thank you so much to everybody. First of all, Sue in upstate New York had commented on um, episode 82, in which we talk about repetition with Jay. Actually, her comment had nothing to do <laughs> with the episode, except that I mentioned that I had entered a quilt in a quilt show, and I realized I never actually talked about it. Um, she said, I'm not sure I even let you finish your sentence before hitting pause to come comment to you. Hooray for you. So glad you're sharing your work with the rest of us. I was the one who a long time ago suggested that if no one put their quilts into shows, we'd have no quilt shows to go to. So I'm so glad you did. Now back to listening to the rest of the episode. <laughs> Sue, I hope you did go back to listen to the rest of the episode. And it is true. If nobody put their quilts in shows, we'd have no shows to go to. I did not win any prizes or ribbons. Did not expect to. Um, it was just fun to, to be able to go and see my quilt in a show. Got some very nice comments from friends who saw it there as well. So thank you, Sue, for your encouragement. Thank you also to uh, Noni, who has lately having been having to download all of her uh, podcasts and listen to them while she's sitting in McDonald's because her internet has been out. Um, so Noni, hoping that's all gotten fixed and thank you for your comment. I got a lot of uh, comments on, or a couple of more comments on the uh, Donation Quilt Wednesday receiving blankets. And, um, you know, I was thinking that maybe if I get a chance to today, it is Donation Quilt Wednesday. Usually I pre-post so that things just go live. I have not had a time to do that this week because, <laughs> funny, I've been sewing. Um, <laughs> but I, I have a couple of tips I'd like to share based on having now done it a couple of times. So I think I may try to do that today. If I don't get to it today, I'll do it tomorrow. So for those of you who may want to do that receiving blanket, um, I'll hopefully do some things that might make the first time you're trying to do it a little bit easier and more straightforward. I mean, it is an easy, it, it's very easy to do. It's just a matter of there are some things she doesn't talk about in the video that I think I had to figure out and were helpful for me to know doing the second. It made it go a lot faster. Thank you also. <laughs> okay, a lot of people commented on my blog post about uh, the Shiva paint sticks, which was called Looky Looky. I just posted that this week. Um, mostly people saying I've been thinking about buying these, but have been avoiding it. And I just want to say, don't avoid it. It's so much fun. But thank you to all of those uh, people who did comment. By the way, um, I did have one comment who said uh, that she was pretty sure her drawing painting skills or lack thereof would never allow her to create something so lovely. And again, stencil. <laughs> I used a stencil that somebody else had drawn. I did not need to draw. So all I really needed to do was figure out how to combine the colors. And that's just practice and playing and just doing it. So um, I would really encourage you to not think about what you can't do, but rather 
play with what you think you could um, or just find out if you can. Um, that's the fun part of it. Um, and Sherry, you are going to get into Shiva paint sticks. <laughs> and Patty, both of you, run, don't walk, go get them. Uh, Sherry D., who was the winner of the last giveaway, did get the fabrics from the giveaway, and she said they were much more luscious in person and said thank you. So, um, again, congratulations, Sherry. I'm glad, and I will be looking for pictures for what you make from those fabrics. Um, and let's see what else. Okay, um, on my Slow Kate Quilt Monday post, I don't remember when this one was. This just this week? It might have been last week. I think I can. Uh, Brenda said, I heard a bit of something on public radio this morning about creativity. The person speaking mentioned that the most creative people have lots of ideas. Maybe only a few of them are considered brilliant works of art, but they generate a lot of not-so-great projects in the process. Maybe that helps explain some of the UFOs in our closets. They may not be something we want to finish, but it could be something that we learned in the process of making the dud that helps to contribute to the fabulous quilt we finish later. So again, thank you, Brenda, for your comment. And again, um, some stuff might hit the trash, and that's fine. Uh, as you know, I've been working my way through the artist's way, Julia Cameron, and this week's um, set of uh, essay that we're working on had a lot of comments about perfectionism. And the fact that a lot of times what holds us back is this thought that it needs to be perfect. Um, and so we don't want to start something unless we know we can make it perfectly. And I know that's an issue for me. And, you know, as she says, there were a lot of the masterpiece you see in the art gallery represents a lot of unfinished or trashed projects done in order to get to that point. So we all need to get over this need for everything to be perfect and we need to just play. That's what I've really been learning a lot and focusing on while I've been on my sabbatical. And I just want to say um, I've been having a lot of fun. I'm not creating necessarily great works of art. I'm just having fun and that's what it's about. So go out there and have fun. So thank you also um, to everybody who has uh, left comments. Sue, Sherry, Noni, Katie, Landscape Lady, Be a Quilter, Knox Blocks, my sister Diane, Jay, Jennifer, School Quilt, Quilter Caroline, Gretchen, Sherry, Patty, uh, two different Sherrys, by the way, um, Brenda, I think I may have already mentioned her, uh, Knox Blocks, Sandy of Quilt Cabana, and... Um, Connie, thank you so much for all of your comments. Really appreciate them. So that's it for this episode. Remember all the giveaways. If you don't remember them, go back and listen to the beginning of the podcast. And as always, you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. Uh, you can follow the blog, quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Pinter, Pinter, <laughs> Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Flickr. You can also now join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Seamed Up. And you can join the T Kiva team and all sorts of other things. And there are links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, for two years running, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.